Lord, we pour out our breath to you because, Lord, it is you who have given us life. It is you who breathed into us the very sustenance of who you are, the very essence of who you are. You are life, and you are life abundantly. And tonight, O oh God, we worship you, and we return back to you our praise. But in that praise is the breath that you gave us we return it back to you and we just give you all the honor lord as we look into your word tonight would you challenge us to see this portion of scripture in just a little bit of a different light would you challenge us also then to take that upon ourselves and to walk in a way oh god to know that you are the one who is our peace over every anxiety in the name of jesus we pray be glorified. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you and thank you for those that are here and those that are watching online. And uh, it's great. It's great because we're, we're coming to a wind up in, in our Philippians study. Uh, could you believe it? It's only four chapters. It's okay. There's some, some letters and some books in the Bible that are one. Just one. Just one, one page, Jude, just one. But we are at Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9 tonight is what we will be looking at. And it says this, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in, go in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and have heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. And so tonight, as I was uh, working through this, I thought I would call it Peace over anxiety. Peace over anxiety. Because anxiety is what seems to grip us in our day-to-day -day life. And it manifests in different ways. Sometimes it could manifest in a way of worrying over something or fretting over something. And sometimes anxiety could manifest in a way that actually it is what is propelling us to go about and do what we need to get done that day. Because we're thinking, I got to get this done. I have to get that done. And we have our list of things to accomplish. But peace is something that the world is searching for. 
Peace is something that the world doesn't fully understand or comprehend. I remember being uh, in a room one day uh, with, a, uh, with uh, several young people. And as I passed by um, uh, a, a group of them that I'd cloistered together, all of a sudden I had the, the, just this knowing that somebody was just feeling in, challenged inside themselves to the very core of their peace. And um, I turned and I looked at them and it was so real. It was so real. It's as if I could see which one of them it was, although I could not. Um, and I says, uh, somebody's struggling. And anyways, I turned around and I walked away. And um, several moments later, I was down in my office and uh, one of the young people came to me and, and they said, I don't know what happened. And then they began to cry. And I was like, oh, 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 what's going on? And then they began to share, you know, as you approached the group, just something about you standing there gave me a peace. Now, it wasn't anything about me. It was Christ, right? What did I recognize? I recognized that there was something. When I approached a group, there was something in that group that wasn't right. Somebody wasn't right. I could not say it was him or her or them. That's not what necessarily the Lord gave me knowledge to know, but all that I knew, something was not right. The world is looking for a peace. You are that reflection. You are that demonstration of peace to the world. Why? Because you know who is peace. And peace, when you know who is peace, then peace dwells and resides within you. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The reason why you have peace is because you're not trusting in and of yourself. You're trusting in one who is greater. You're looking to the Lord for your answers. You're looking to the Lord for your solutions. You're looking to the Lord for the end result. You are trusting in him. Whether that be because you have a sickness and you're trusting him to give you strength. You're trusting him to give the doctor's wisdom. You're trusting him to give you healing. Whatever it may be, whether it be for job, whether it be for finances, whatever the circumstance is, your trust is in God. Some have peace. Peace, some say that peace is a feeling. You know, I, I, I just feel a peace. What, what is it that they are saying? They're, they're just having that sense in their life that um, every fe everything feels as though it's in order. I just have a peace about this because everything just seems to be in order, if you want to say. Or a, a sense that despite all the chaos that's going on around about me, this has given me a sense of peace and I know that it's of God. So how do we find peace? How do we find peace? It's not something that I've, I've misplaced my keys. If you know me that I, I, in, the, in the office, I can put my keys down. I could leave the office and I'm looking all over for my keys. I'm in and out of the classrooms downstairs. I'm checking doors and and they're upstairs on the desk. Peace is not my keys. It's not something that I could, oh, this is peace. I found it, okay? Peace is something that we receive, and we can only receive it because we know who the giver is. 
And that is Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples what? John 14, 27, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Who gives us peace? Where do we find peace? We find peace in Jesus. Jesus is giving us his peace. My peace I leave with you. Why? Because he is the prince of peace. But if Jesus is leaving us with peace or leaving this peace, how do we receive it? Well, if you jump to verse 26, just ahead of verse 27, it says, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. So the Holy Spirit then becomes our source of peace. The Holy Spirit is the resource in which we can go to. So peace is not something that we receive because we've repeated some sort of mantra, I will not let myself get discouraged. I will not let myself get afraid. I am strong. It's not, that's not peace. That's not peace. That's what the world may say. They may say, you know, just, just tell yourself three times a day that you got this. You got it. You got it. And you stand in front of the mirror. I got this. That's not peace. Our lack of peace sometimes is because we're worrying about tomorrow. We, our, our peace is tapping into knowing who is peace and knowing how he has been there in other circumstances. Well, Lord, you were there when I went through this. And so I know you're going to be there with me now. And you've heard me use that illustration. Sometimes when I'm worrying about something about tomorrow, I will reflect back in my mind and I'll say, you know, Lord, when I was worrying about this several years ago when my kids were young, you brought me to this point. So if you brought me to this point, then you will take care of this next point. Lord, when I worried if we would have enough money to, to provide for these kids, you allowed us to have the money we needed to provide for these kids. So now, Lord, I know you're going to provide for the next chapter regarding these kids. And so we look to where, where peace, where Jesus manifested himself in our lives before, and we can trust Jesus just as you were my peace during that situation, during that trial, during that chaos, during that season. So, Lord, I am looking to you once again to be that peace now. We recall to our minds that the way Christ um, said don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will look after itself. How could Jesus say that with such a confidence? Because he knew our tomorrow. And he knew that he would be the one taking care and making the provision. Proverbs 3, 24 to 26 says, If you lie down, you will not be afraid when you lie down. Your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. How many times you can't sleep because your mind is thinking about something that is troubling you. 
Well, the word of God said you will not be afraid. In that moment, you could say, Lord, your word says, I remember that Wednesday night Bible study when, when that, that Bible verse was quoted that I don't need to be afraid and that you will give me sleep. Even if that's all you are able to recall to mind till the next morning when you can Google search it, then that is what you will do in order that you could have that peace. Don't be afraid. So what Solomon was not saying was not to be afraid that the wicked won't come or hardships won't take place or difficulty won't come, but he's saying, you know what? We don't need to be afraid because God will be our source. He will be our protection. He will be our refuge, right? Because the Lord will be your confidence and keep your foot from being caught. That's what this is saying to us. What did Jesus say in Matthew 11, 28 to 30? Come unto me, all you who are weary, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So why are we looking at this? What does this have to do with Philippians? <laughs> Four, the verses that we just read. What, why, in, why would we even take a moment to pause and think about peace in the midst of this Philippians? Well, see, there's a little situation happening between two women. These women are disciples of the Lord. They had worked very closely with Paul. Their names are Eurodia and Syntyche. And they had a little bit of a dispute between them. And so Paul is saying in verses 2 to 3, I entreat Eurodia and, and um, Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, it's understood that these ladies were leading a, 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 perhaps a home church group, but they were working alongside with Paul and somehow they had come to have a disagreement in amongst themselves. And Paul recognizes, you know what? This dispute needs to be settled between these two ladies before it gets into the body of Christ. And it disturbs the congregation of the people. And then we've got a bigger issue. So you know what? Ladies, iron it out between yourselves. And he says, I ask you also, true companion, there is an individual here in, this group, in, in, in amongst these ladies that obviously has been working alongside as well that Paul says, true companion. We don't know the name. And I've been in habit any time that I'm reading the word of God when I don't know the name or the word of God does not say the name of the individual, that that then becomes a perfect opportunity where I could put my name in. And so this person is to be the mediator. And they could be you tonight. Perhaps you're to be a mediator between two brothers and sisters in the Lord, two 
people that are part of the family of God that are not in agreement with each other, but their lack of agreement with each other could possibly cause a divide on the greater part. And Paul's saying, you know what? I'm entreating you, true companion. I'm entreating you, true companion, to get in there and remind them to iron this dispute out in amongst themselves. Iron it out. Because what? He goes on to say, because they are fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And in other words, these aren't just two street people that are disagreeing. They're not two neighbors that live side by side that are disagreeing. These are people that are of the family of God. And so think of it this way. Sometimes in your own natural blood family, there will be disagreements. Those of you that are parents here, I'm sure you had kids that have gotten into disagreements and they've argued. And the only thing that is preventing them from laying hands on each other, not the hands of prayer, but the hands of rivalry, is the kitchen table in between them. Right? Kitchen table is always the best place for family disputes. (laughs) And so as a parent, you're saying, listen, learn to get along. Don't call your sister that name. Don't call your brother that name. Get along. You know, and, and as parent, you're encouraging them to iron it out. If in the natural family, people that are your bro- blood, that are brothers and sister, how much more also in your spiritual family could there be dissension that could rise up between you and another brother or sister? And Paul says, you know what? Iron that out before it gets into the body. Iron it out before other people are affected by it. Before the peace is, is, um, is affected. So these two ladies are of the family of God. Sometimes we in the family of God could have disagreements. But Romans twelve eighteen says, if possible, if possible, recognizing that sometimes there's a strong willed person recognizing that sometimes circumstances don't always permit it but if possible so much as depends on you you the reader who is reading this portion of scripture so much as depends on you live peaceably with all it didn't say so much just depends on them see lord it's their fault not until they come to me i am not going to speak to them again no paul is saying so much as depends on you live at peace with all and so this complements this situation that has happened between these two ladies he recalls to them listen we have all worked together you have worked side by side with me with clement this other individual we've all been working together in harmony okay disagreements may have come but let's iron this out he also addressed this in ephesians ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 3 He says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility. This is a key thing. Gentleness and with patience. Humility, gentleness, and impatience, okay? Bearing with one another in love. Eager to what? Maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. 
What are you doing? How are you approaching the situation? Okay, Eurodia and uh, Syntyche, bear with one another in humility, not, no, 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 but I'm right. You're the one who fails to see. In gentleness, don't raise your voice. Do it peaceably with patience. Give them room to explain themselves too. In the bond of peace. So what was Paul doing in this passage of Ephesians? He's saying, look, you're the Lord's disciples, therefore you've been called to live in a way that would be an example, as he puts it, worthy of the calling. Live in a way that's worthy of the calling. What's that calling? You know what? Live in a way that, uh, that people are able to say, I see Christ in them. The calling is you're called a Christian, right? That's to say you need to maintain peace, unity with those that have been forgiven just as you have been forgiven. If it's really hard for you to have, find a peaceful spot in your heart in the dispute, how about you look at the person and remember all the times God forgave you? Of all the things God forgave you of, and then look at them and try to hold that same grudge while saying, thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness for my, for my problems. Thank you, Lord, when you, in your mind, you're looking at them and they're, and they're just rambling on. Just try to practice this one principle. Thanking the Lord while they're rambling on and annoying you. Try to practice this. Thank you, Lord, that uh, when I lost my cool with you forgave me. Thank you, Lord, that when I wasn't walking worthy of the calling of a Christian, you forgave me. Just talk to yourself in your mind. All of a sudden, your thankfulness will shift things. Your thankfulness will shift things. Why? Because it's, it says in verse th three, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That was from Ephesians. Why? With humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearance. I am eager to maintain that bond of peace. How? With gentleness, with patience, with forbearance. How? Because I am remembering when Christ forgave me. I'm remembering when Christ looked upon me in my sin state, in, in my place when I didn't deserve a voice to give an explanation for why I did what I did or why I said what I said, and he still extended the olive branch of forgiveness towards me. It, Christian maturity here for Paul takes place when believers act with one another in, in that harmony and in that peace even though sometimes we're not going to see eye to eye. You know what? I recognize you and I see this differently. I recognize we're not always going to be on the same page. And for the sake of peace, let's move on together. Let's move on together. For the sake of peace, you know what? From this moment on, I'm not going to keep this, this disagreement between you and me. I'm not, I'm not going to keep it in the memory cells. And, and uh, well, you're the one who said in 1983, for the sake of peace, I'm going to move on. We're going to move on. Because I know we won't always see eye to eye. And so he says, he ends verse 3 with saying this, um, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life, right? 
And then he goes, rejoice in the Lord always, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Could you imagine? He just finished telling these peoples, aren't out your differences. Everybody's name, looks in the word, your, their names are written in the book of life, so now rejoice. It, it doesn't even seem like it matches. It doesn't even seem like the two pair nice, you know, like how people use the phrase today, oh, that pair is nice with that Gouda cheese. Right? It doesn't seem like it even pairs with it. But if we read it from verse 3 onward of chapter 4, and it says, Yes, I also ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. In the New Living Translation, it says, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Verse 5, remember the Lord is coming soon. You see, if I'm rejoicing in the Lord, what is my mind not on? The dispute, the worry, the anxiety, what has displaced my peace? If I'm rejoicing in the Lord, my, my, my concern is not on the issue at hand of this dispute, this argument. Instead, I'm letting everybody see that, that I'm considerate in all that I do. Uh, verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So how does a, a, a mature Christian build and... and, and um, demonstrate confidence as a child of God? Well, it's not by using that, that fleshly thing. Well, you know, I'm just going to be the better one. And I'm just going to be letting bygones be bygones and boasting to someone else. Say you were Clement or say you were this other individual that, that, Paul, that Paul referenced um, to, to come alongside of them. Well, I'm just going to, you know, let her think that she, she won, but the Lord knows, me and the Lord know that, that, uh, it, it, that I was in the right. That is not showing the considerableness. That is, that is not showing that um, letting everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. No, let it be between you and God. God, you know what? I recognize that there's nothing that I could do here. I recognize my area of wrong. And, and so you know what? I'm going to let this be with you. And, and I'm going to move on with that. It's not showing off it's not raising yourself up and elevating yourself. And, and well, look, I, I've, I've, I was a perfect mediator. And, and I made sure that the two of them each had two minutes to, to share their dispute. No, it's, it, that's not building up and demonstrating. That's not being the mature Christian. Rather, that is displaying your flesh. Because we're living at peace. We're maintaining the bonds of peace with one another. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because he's shifting gears to bring them to a place of rejoicing. In other words, if I'm finding a reason to rejoice, and if I'm taking my, it's taking my mind off of the odd that I'm in, that the situation that I'm in with, with another person. Furthermore, 
I'm giving that spirit of rejoicing residence within me. If my eyes are upon the Lord and I'm rejoicing in him, my eyes are not on the wrong that they're doing against me. Does it make any sense why Paul would shift gears in the midst of this disagreement that there is, in the midst of this moment where he's calling these two ladies to, to bring their dispute into order? He's then saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Eurodia, if you're going to rejoice in the Lord, you're not going to be finding your fault in your sister. Syntyche, if you're rejoicing in the Lord and you're thanking him for all that he's doing, you're not going to be finding your fault in your sister. While we're giving that spirit of rejoicing, what's rule in our lives, what's happening is Christ is shining through. Like I said, stand before the person that you're at odds with, and while they're arguing with you all the stuff that you've done wrong, in your mind you're thanking God for all the times he's forgiven you when you've done wrong. You know what begins to shine through that, to that person? The peace that is on you, the forgiveness that is on you begins to shine through that person. And you know what? While they're in the midst of chewing you out, while they're in the midst of, of, of just saying everything that they can against you, all of a sudden they will stop talking. And they'll say, what? What? What are you thinking anyways? And you won't have to display what you're thinking because the peace of God will just come into that situation. There's times when it says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men verse 5 that's about knowing you know what this is time for me just to be quiet here i don't need to give an answer i want to give an answer um, but i'm going to let my flesh be controlled by the spirit of god i'm going to let my flesh not give in and i'm not going to yield to this moment and keep this argument going it it allows us to know when to overlook let your gentle spirit be known to all men and knowing when i have to overlook a situation and when to allow the other person or not allow the other person to have the final word but then paul says like a side note don't worry about anything this is being said by a guy who's in prison and possibly facing execution. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And then he goes, verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There he is again, bringing us back to the thankfulness, back to the rejoicing. Don't worry about it. The word worry in the Greek, merimaneo, um, it has two different implications. Two different implications, and, and that's what I alluded to in the beginning. The first is the, the negative. That's the worry and the anxiousness that says, what if this medication doesn't work? What, what if I, I don't get this job? What, what if I don't pass this test? That's the worry and the anxiousness. That, that's the anxiety that comes from that. The, the, uh, Mary Mano, it, the expression, that's the negative side to it. But then there is the positive side to it. And that positive side is the worry is that is 
when you are concerned about something, when you are concerned for the well-being of something or the well-being of a person, oh, I hope that they arrive to their destination on time. You're not fretting over it. It's a, it's a concern for the well-being of. So there's the two. There's the negative, the overly concerned, and the other that has a positive inference as in you're, you're excuse me, overly obsessed and anxious about it, and then the positive in that you're just having a concern for it. But Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Don't worry about it. What are you going to accomplish in worrying about this? In worrying about whether or not you're going to pass that test. Is it going to make the test pass any quicker? You will still have the same allotted amount of time to write the test. In worrying about whether or not the, the medication is going to work, you're only going to add more pressure upon yourself in other ways. And it's going to only compile the, circumstance, the circumstances even greater. But in Matthew 1019 he says uh, when they deliver you over do not be anxious how you will speak or what you will say for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour what if you have to go to the court of law what if you have to go and defend yourself for a ticket don't worry about what you're going to say God is going to give you that say what if you have to give a defense for what you believe don't worry about what you're going to say God is going to give you that anxious what are we bringing upon ourselves by worrying that is why Paul says don't be anxious, but rejoice. Don't be anxious, but give thanks. What, consider uh, Martha and Mary. Jesus came to their place and Martha was busy preparing a meal. She was in the kitchen. She probably wanted to make the best meal that she could for the Lord. What was Mar Mary doing? She was sitting at his feet, soaking in every word that he was saying. She was just captivated by him. Just, just drinking in. It was like what he was saying to her became her food. And Martha's there in the kitchen and she comes in and she says, Lord, Lord, don't you see? Don't you see what, what, what she is not doing? Luke 10, 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And then he says, but Mary has chosen the wiser. You're worrying about, you're worrying about the food you're going to feed me? Why don't you come and sit at my feet and eat of the food that I'm going to feed you? Martha, you're worrying about all this that you're missing out on the peace that you could receive from me as you eat from me. You see, this is why he says, How, what, can you add a single hour to your day? Can you add hair to your head in worrying? It's not going to get you anything. It's not going to get you anywhere. But Paul again, so don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We're encouraged instead 
to, of worrying instead of being worried or anxious that we should give these burdens over to the Lord. Let your urgent prayer requests be made known to the Lord. Let that which is worrying you, that thing that's pressing upon you right now, give that to the Lord. If it's pressing upon you right now, then it's urgent. Why do you go to urgent care? Why do you go to emergency? Because something is pressing upon you. Some sort of symptom or illness is pressing upon you. So you go to where you are going to get the urgent response. Not so much so, truthfully, in the medical system. You can wait several hours for that urgent response. But you go to the urgent care. Why? Because you want attention to this isolated issue, right? But God is saying, no, you know what? Paul is saying, but by everything, by prayer and supplication, bring that thing that is urgently plaguing you right now, that thing that is anxious, anxious upon your heart, that thing that is causing symptoms of anxiety to rise up. Bring it before the Lord. Learn to pray to the God who hears. Learn to pray to the God who cares about every detail concerning your life and has within his hands the power to act, the power to bring an answer, the power to cause the solution to happen right before your eyes. We just talked about uh, the Sermon on the Mount when, when Jesus was saying, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. The chapter following that in Matthew chapter 7, what did he say? Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. That's not practicing name it and claim it ideas. Oh God, I need $20 and, and so I could go buy my... No, it's not the name it and claim it, but it's understanding that you could go to God. Lord, you see this expense that is before me, so Lord, I am trusting you for the provision. Lord, I'm believing you to make a way. You know, this is kind of just a funny story, but a true story in the way that the Lord uh, allowed these children to learn the principle of knocking, praying, and believing. So we brought the kids to African Lion Safari. You all know about African Lion Safari, you Torontonians, uh, GTA people? Okay, so brought the kids to African Lion Safari, and they wanted to go on an elephant ride. And so when I inquired to see how much the elephant ride was at that time, um, I didn't have the money in my wallet for that elephant ride. So I said to the girl, like, um, well, do you have like a debit machine here or, or, you know, like how would I pay for it? Oh, you have to go back to the entrance gate and you have to buy the tickets for the elephant ride. And, um, and I said, oh. So then I said, um, so how much is it? And then I calculated how much it was uh, that I would need for the four kids. My, my uh, brother's two kids were with us <laughs> and my two kids. And you know what? I, I had enough to get in the park that day. You know, you pack the lunch and whatever. But to do the elephant ride, I didn't really have that extra. And, and if I were to have taken that from the bank account, something else somewhere would have maybe fallen short. But whatever, we weren't in the abundance of things, okay? But anyhow, I said to the kids, well, guys, you know what? We can't, we can't do the elephant ride. 
First of all, the, the tickets, you can't get them here. You had to get them when you come in. And, and I don't have the cash on me. I just don't have the cash. And so my daughter whispers to her cousin, we'll just have to pray about it. <laughs> so the one, oh, Lord, bring the money so that Auntie Melody can go get the, t- go get the tickets. You know what? God is so special. He's so special. I kid you not. I kid you not. This $20 comes floating, <laughs> floating by, and it lands on the ground. It just like a wind blew it. And I was like, this, this is just like, you know, I put my foot on the $20 bill, and I'm looking around to see who is looking for their $20 that happened to blow our way. <laughs> True story. I, like, I feel like I sound like Pastor Dino. True story. But it, it is a true story. So I have my foot on the $20 bill, and I'm looking around, and my daughter's like, Mom, 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 your foot has is I'm like, shh, I know, I know. I'm just waiting to see who it belongs to. She's like, no, just go buy the tickets. I'm like, wait. So anyways, long story short, these kids got their elephant ride. But you know what they learned? I got to hear it driving home. Um, they're talking about the elephant ride. And so one said to the other along the lines of, yeah, they were really sad when we couldn't go on the ride because we didn't have the money. But I'm so glad God sent the money. See how Lord, the Lord allows the little children to learn that when you knock and you ask, now, they can't, they, God's not a vending machine, but they learned, they learned that day to pray and God would provide. They learned that day to pray and God would provide. And you know, to this day, my daughter knows when she needs something to pray and that God would answer. God would make a way. Her husband, uh, an opportunity came for him and the, the door opened and she says, you see, that's because I prayed and the Lord, and, and she laid out for him every way the Lord answered. Why? Because she learned when she was seven years old that when they wanted an elephant ride, God gave them an elephant ride. Not mommy. God did. So what was Paul wanting the Philippians to understand? He says, God is near you in this time of need. Verse 5, right? He said, Um, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And just before saying, saying, don't be anxious about anything, he said to them, the Lord is at hand. Now, normally when we teach this portion of the scripture and we look at that part that says the Lord is at hand, it's commonly taken in the eschatology theological sense in this in the way that it's referencing the lord is returning his return is soon and we can and are taking it in that aspect but we can also apply it this way that if the lord is returning and his return is soon then he is nearer now than he was then the lord is near if he is returning, he is near. And so if we are going to take that his return is near, then I could present my deepest needs and my deepest issues with him, and I could share with him, God, this is the anxiety of my heart. 
This is the worry that is heavy upon me now. And I know that you are near. I know that you are the God that is nigh. What does Psalm 34, 18 says? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. If we're going to look at it only in his eschatological sense that the Lord is returning very, very soon, then let's also look at it in the sense that God is near because his word says he's near to the brokenhearted. He's near to the person he, who is feeling crushed. And so likewise, he is also near to the one who is feeling anxious. And I know that Paul could speak firsthand about this because in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if we look at verses 8 to 10, it says this. For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's a big burden. That is a worry beyond worry. They despaired for life itself. That burden was consuming them. If they despaired for life itself, that burden was taking the very life and breath out of them. And what did he say? Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us and he will deliver us. He delivered us and he will deliver us in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious for anything, Paul says. And then he finishes up. The latter part of verse 10, on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. See how he said it in that verse three times. He delivered us, he will deliver us, and he will deliver us again. He is your peace. In your anxious moment, in your worrisome times, he is your peace. And he chose to insert this in the part of the letter when he saw that two women were not at peace with each other. And he decides, I'm going to teach them, turn your eyes on me. Start rejoicing in the, th in the thankfulness of what you have in me. R remember, we're all part of the family of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about everything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. If you're thankful for the way he, was, he delivered you in the past of your anxious moments, then, and you're thankful for the way he's delivering you now in your time of worry, then you will remember to be thankful for what is to come. The deliverance of worry for what is to come. Lord, I'm in this situation now. I don't see my way clear from it. But God, just as you did then, so you will now. And there's nothing wrong with calling on, on the Lord's accountability. Colossians 4, 2 says, In uh, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful 
in it with thanksgiving. So, oh, but I prayed about it. Oh, but, you know, Pastor Melody, I've been praying about it for a whole week now, and I still have this problem. Continue steadfast in prayer with thanksgiving. Lord, you haven't answered yet, but I know you're going to answer. Lord, I don't see the end, but I know you have an end in this. Continue steadfast in prayer. And what did he say? Verse 7. He concludes this whole little package. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He could use this sort of an illustration because as he's writing the letter and he pauses and he thinks of Eurodia and he thinks of Syntyche and he looks up and what is standing in front of him? The guard. And when he thinks of the, the, the guards at that time, when he thinks of, of uh, what, what was the responsibilities of, of, the, of the guards when they would go to war, he knows that they would prevent the enemy from having any sort of entry point, right? That would have been a, a, a role of a guard. Or if he were to, to look at that Roman garrison standing, standing, at, standing post in the jail cell, he knew what the garrison's role was in, in the infantry. And so he's saying, you know what? Let... I, I, you all need to know that in your times of anxiety and in your times of worry, let the peace of God guard your heart and your mind. Let it guard the heart, your heart and your mind. Don't let the enemy have a point of entry in your mind. I could say this because I have to say that to myself. Now, Melody, remember the Lord. Melody, remember the last time. Don't let the enemy have a point of entry into your heart where you're walking in that place of woundedness. Now, Melody, you remember the last time. Because what, what do we do when we get upset about them? This is the last time they're going to do that to me. They did it before, and now they're going to do it again? No way. And we make an inner vow. Don't make these vows. Let the peace of God rule in your heart and in your mind. Why? Because he says, with, um, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then he, he lets us know how we can have that peace of God, God rule over our heart and in, on our minds. And we won't go in depth, but we'll just quickly say it. It's in what you are thinking about. He says, Finally, brothers, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. Now I put you back in that situation where you're in a disagreement and they're pa 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 and you and they're tearing you up one side and tearing you down the other side and all that you're seeing is nothing but toxicity coming out of their mouth. And Paul is saying, think about what you know is true. 
What are the facts here? Think about what is honorable. Think about what is just. Think about what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable, what is praiseworthy. You know what? In the midst of this disagreement, in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your worry, you know what? Let these things rule your heart and mind. Think upon these things. And while you're thinking upon these things, then he goes on to say, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now you see what he did here? First he said, verse seven, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. When you go to the Lord with your anxiety, when you go to the Lord with your worry, when you go to the Lord with whatever is disturbing your peace, he says, when you go to him with prayer, with rejoicing, with thankfulness, and you make your, your requests known to him, then he's going to guard your heart and mind. But at the same time, while he's guarding your heart and mind, it's because you're applying the truth of whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is commendable, whatever is honorable. When you're applying these kind of thoughts into your system, then he says this, then the peace of God will be with you. He's going to guard you, but now he's going to be with you. Why? Because verse five, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. He's going to be with you. If you're taking control of those thoughts and you're not allowing yourself to have a downward spiral and you're not allowing your thoughts to be consumed and you're fixing your thoughts upon whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, then the God of peace is what's dwelling within you because what comes out is from what's within A different spin on peace over anxiety, peace over discord. When our attention is shifted to God and focus on that's what, what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, regarding our hearts, regarding our minds through prayer. Therefore, the God of peace will be with us because the peace of God guarded us, because the peace of God is in us. That's what Paul wants us to take away. And then he says, as you've seen in me do. Why? Because he was in jail. He's thrown in jail, awaiting his execution. And only one who is awaiting their execution could say to me, don't let it consume your thoughts. Don't let it eat away at you. I'm in this place of jail. Don't let yourself be in a jail in your mind. As you're seeing me live this out, I, this very word that I'm giving to you, as you see me live it out, you live it out. And the peace of God will be in you. Father God, I just thank you tonight for your word. I thank you that, Lord, we can go to your word and always be refreshed with something new. We can go to your word, and Lord, you can just, through one, one simple word, turn the whole scope of reference around to reflect for us personally that day, that moment, what we need to hear. 
God, tonight, may we look at the example of Erodia and Syntyche and, and their little dispute and consider our lives, God. Maybe areas that we need to straighten out. Lord, maybe it has nothing to do with disputes that we have with another. Maybe the dispute is within ourselves because our peace has been turned around. Our focus has been turned around from being on you. Father God, I just pray that you would cause us to ruminate on this word tonight. That once again, Lord Jesus, we would go home and read it again and ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? May the peace of God guard each heart, guard each mind, that is listening tonight, whether it be in person or whether it be over the airways, oh God. And Lord, may you be that peace that is within us so that all that are around us will sense and know that Christ, you are real. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God be with you, those who joined us today online. We welcome you here Sunday morning as we reflect on Pentecost and the wonderful gift that God gave us. God bless you. So we just want to take these next few moments for those that want to remain and stay with us and pray. Um, we just want to remember the team that has gone to Israel. There's 20 of them or so. Uh, just continue to pray for them uh, the last few days that are, they are there. They will be making their way home on Saturday. Uh, Lord willing, there won't be any hiccups or interruptions in their travels that would prohibit them from being um, back here in Canada and in, in the anticipated.